Welcome to Geological's mini-series dedicated to sports and orthopedic acupuncture. For the next few days, I'll be bringing you several podcasts a day from the Sports Acupuncture Alliance's conference in San Jose, California. In addition to interviews and discussions with speakers of the conference, you'll also be hearing from participants and you'll have a special front row seat at a roundtable conversation around the issues of running a sports medicine practice. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office, and I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it. 
even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. The Sports Acupuncture Alliance was created to promote the study and practice of sports and orthopedic acupuncture. I'm delighted that they were willing to partner with Geological to bring you this mini-series so that those of you who were not able to attend the conference could learn from the speakers as well as the participants and to get a taste of what it's like to be here at this special event. Please enjoy these discussions and take what you learn here and use it in your clinic. You know, needles are an essential aspect of our practices that I suspect most of us don't know much about, other than that we have some brands or types that we'd like to use. But what goes into a needle and how needle technology over the years has changed, well, I know for myself, I'm pretty ignorant about it. So I'm delighted to have Matt Pike here with me. Matt is a principal at LASA OMS, and he's also the president of Seren USA. He's been involved with the sourcing and manufacture of acupuncture needles for a long, long time. We are going to get into the backstory on this essential tool that we all use every day in the work that we do, and we're going to talk a little about a new needle that's being introduced here at the conference that's been specifically designed and manufactured for sports and orthopedic acupuncture. Matt. Welcome to Geological. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. You know, I know that you are uh, a principal at LASA, one of our sponsors, and uh, you're also the president of Seren America, so you've got a, a lot of experience with needles and with acupuncturists. This is, this is not an infomercial for you guys. I've, I've got you today because you have a lot of experience with acupuncture needles. Can you give us a little background on how you've gotten involved with needles and and how long you've been doing this? Yeah, so it, it all started, my mother married a person who was an acupuncturist that had a hard time when he graduated from uh, acupuncture school finding products. So he took it upon himself to travel to Asia and start collecting products and you know, as a, you can imagine back in the time when acupuncture is fairly new in the United States, he ended up graduating from the New England School of Acupuncture, which is uh, the oldest school still in existence in the United States. And um, he started bringing in all these exciting products and handing them out to his friends. And before you knew it, this co- company called OMS Medical Supplies began, and he, he never really was able to... You know, do have a big practice because the sourcing products and selling them in the U.S. market to people who needed them kind of became this uh, overtaking uh, piece of his life. So that's kind of what got me into it from a young age, going on vacations with the family and uh, and speaking as person. So his name was Thomas Rihimaki, and uh, he was the founder of OMS Medical Supplies and then a essentially a co-founder of Seren America, which is a joint venture between Seren Corporation and OMS Medical Supplies. And then a little bit later in life, my mother 
created a company called Lhasa Medical Supplies, and then the two companies merged. So you can imagine as a child kind of uh, following uh, around with them. Uh, that's kind of what I spoke to my, was, he was a stepfather of mine, and that's how we kind of conversed with each other is, is acupuncture supplies. So then later I became, I was on the board of directors of Sarin uh, America, which I started learning more and more about acupuncture needles from a relatively young age. And then maybe 12 years ago or so, my wife and I um, took over the operations of Las Olmes. I did not know that backstory. That's fascinating. He basically had his own itch that he needed to scratch. And turns out that he helped all his friends get their hands on good needles and supplies. That's right. And at the time, uh, OMS was the only importer of acupuncture needles. So uh, kind of an exciting time to be. And you can imagine the excitement he had when he was finding different types of high-end moxas and different types of cupping sets, etc. And uh, so it was, it was uh, essentially something that was really a passion for him. Well, it's a whole different world in Asia where it's common. That's exactly right. Yeah. What are some changes that you've seen with needles over the years? I mean, you've been, you, you know, you grew up with this basically. Yeah. So I think in order to, to talk about the changes, you probably need to take a little step back and understand uh, what kind of where we were 40 years ago in acupuncture or longer. So back from the beginning, acupuncture needles were all reusable. They had to be autoclaved or somehow sterilized between uses. And all acupuncture needles were handmade. And it was really in 1978, a small company in Japan revolutionized the industry. And they created the first single-use disposable acupuncture needle. And so today you wouldn't even think of acupuncture as having reusable needles, but it was really not that long ago, 1978, when that company revolutionized the industry. And the name of that company is Sarin Corporation. So they created that first single-use disposable needle. And really, what did that do? It, it allowed acupuncture to be accepted in the Western countries, and which ultimately paved the way for the FDA to be able to classify needles as class two, because they would never allow a reusable needle to be used in a, in a large scale in, in the United States. Wow. What does it mean to be a class two needle? Uh, different levels of classification, class one being kind of very simple medical devices, class two being something a little bit more invasive, like uh, mm. an acupuncture needle that pierces the skin. And then class three would be more like implantable stuff. So at each of these different levels of medical devices requires a, a different levels of scrutiny by the FDA. To bring a class one medical device into the United States, it could be as simple as just registering the device. But to bring a class two medical device, it requires something called a 510K which is showing that that needle is, is equivalent of some other needle that's been accepted in the United States. So in 1978, there was a revolution in needles that really, without that, we wouldn't be where we are today. That's true. I mean, some other company would have done it, but it happened to be Sarin that, that, that did that. Mm -hmm. And it really paved the way for things. You know, I remember when I was in acupuncture school, oh my God, 20 years ago, at this point, and we had an autoclave and we learned to do that because it was just something that you were supposed to learn to do. Mm. And I remember getting out of school and going and pricing an autoclave 
you know, thinking about all the Mishigasa goes with autoclaving. And I thought, why would I ever do that when I've got disposable needles? Exactly. You know? Yeah. From, yeah. from a safety standpoint, it just, it wouldn't work. Yep. So they were handmade then. And now how are they made? I mean, obviously by machines, what's the process look like? So surprisingly, what's interesting is uh, 40 years later, there's still the majority of the needles manufactured in the world market are still handmade. The only difference between what was pre-40 years ago and now is that those needles are single-use disposable. So the majority of the needles are still handmade, and it's a person sitting in front of a grinding wheel with essentially wire, stainless steel wire, and very carefully grinding those needles. And these people are amazing at what they do, but obviously when it's handmade, you're introducing all sarin of human error. So sarin needles, on the other hand, you know, they've gone through many different phases of, of manufacturing from the beginning of being more rudimentary, kind of simple, kind of train systems where a trolley goes through an assembly line and little mini robots would pick it up and, and, uh, and do some operation on them. And now it's these huge, you know, robotic machines, almost like uh, what you would see in a car assembly plant uh, that are moving the needles from station to station and, and acting upon it in different ways. So automated manufacturing of the grinding machines, those are all um, the grinding wheels are, are running through a computerized system. Then the needles go through an entire bathing system where they do uh, more of a basic solution or acidic solution, uh, more water-based solution. And they spend a tremendous amount of time cleaning the needles to get all the solvents, get all the grease, get all the manufacturing stuff out of it. And then it goes to the assembly place location, which is in a clean room. And those robotic machines will put it through its process, uh, ultimately coming out with, with boxes of needles all untouched by human hand. So it's pretty amazing, amazing system. If you like uh, technology, you would just be blown away taking a tour of the Sarin manufacturing facility. Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at Anne Cecil Sturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. Sounds fascinating. You said most of the needles are still handmade. So does that include, I mean, I know there's some other big manufacturers. There's like the Korean DBCs. Yep. There's 
I don't know all the brands from China these days. Are they still hand grinding those or do they have some sort of automation? A lot, surprisingly, a lot of them are. And I don't want to mention names at this point, but like the Korean manufacturing company that you talked about, I visited their facility. Amazing, state of the art. If you saw the two systems, they are completely like separate. (laughs) There's nothing similar to their manufacturing process, but even the DBC needles, it's a very simplistic manufacturing uh, system that's extremely fast and extremely efficient. And Dongbong, as you may know, is probably the largest manufacturer of acupuncture needles in the world. They produce well over a billion needles a year. And this company it has to have fast processing to be able to support the large throughput. So there's is an amazing system, but it's you know, there's still some kind of manual components to it. Whereas Sarin, on the other hand, is a much slower process. The machines cost a lot more money, and they they wouldn't be able to handle the same throughput given the same square footage, and and they don't have to since they their whole goal is producing the highest quality needle in the world. It's, um, you know, the process is a little bit slower to be able to support that. Mm -hmm. Other big changes between them, as you mentioned, DVC, and and I'm talking about Saren a little bit, is the the quality control in each of those steps. But that being said, so that's an example of two different companies out there that have these automated systems. But in China, the majority of the needles developed are all done by hand. There is one company that has some many automated manufacturing that's the Watto company as well which just recently was purchased maybe 10 years ago 7 years ago by a large chinese public company that's invested a lot of money into their manufacturing yeah i, I suspect as time goes on we'll probably see more and more of these manufacturers move toward this automation is that a is that is that, is that sound right yeah, I think as as time goes on, you know, people demand quality. And in order to produce a high-quality needle, you have to have automated manufacturing. When you have a manual process, there, it's, it's all about error. Humans make mistakes, and it's a non-repeatable process. So the only way to have a, have a manufacturing process that is, you know, that you can produce high quality needles, you need to have an automated manufacturing process that has reproducible processes. So if something were to, you find out that could be improved upon, you can modify the machine, you can insert another step, you can modify or tweak the the machines um, to be able to fix that problem. But if you don't have that automated manufacturing process, you can't you can't reproduce the needle the same way every time, and therefore you can't increase the, the yeah. quality of the needle, or at least it's very difficult to. So I think long-term things will go towards that, and I think users want high-quality products, so they're going to uh, start weeding out the needles that are not as superior. Well, I think as an acupuncturist, I know for myself, I just want to know that I can open up a packet of needles and do my job, without having to think too much about uh, how's this needle going to work. I mean, on occasion I go to insert a needle and it's like something's not quite right with the way it's going in, but it is so phenomenally rare these days. Right. Um, I mean, I love handmade stuff, but I like the idea of non-handmade needles. Right. Exactly. Well, I think um, it's, it's just a testament that, you're not the only person out there with those uh, requests. And that's why companies like Las Omas exist that are trying to weed out all of the, the bad needles out there and making sure that any product that we sell are products that, um, that 
that are quality and, and going to be able to do their job well. So mm-hmm. um, I think you, along with uh, all acupuncturists out there, feel the same way. Well, this is you know, clearly part of the evolution of our particular trade here in the States. Like you were saying, your stepfather, um, he was just looking to find some needles, <laughs> period. <laughs> just get some needles. And now we're looking at you know, very high tech stuff that, I mean, needles are simple and yet they're high tech. They are. And I think, you know, if it was just somebody putting a needle in the body, that's one thing, but the acupuncturist, there's a little bit more there. You guys are trained to be able to understand, you know, I'm going through this layer of the skin. Now I'm going in through the muscle tissue and now I'm touching bone and, and to be able to feel all those different areas of the body and be able to do your job well uh, requires a refined needle that is going to be able to support that. And I think even though, like you said, at a high level, these needles are very simplistic, there's a lot that, of technology that goes into producing a high-quality needle, not to mention they're so thin. You know, the, the worst possible thing that could happen to an acupuncturist is, God forbid, a, a needle breaking in a human body. And so dealing with these such small needles and making sure that the needles are quality enough that they won't have anything collapse during a treatment is, is really important. So we spend a tremendous amount of time every year analyzing all the needles uh, that we sell, as well as analyzing new needles and enter the U.S. market and making sure we understand which needles are good, which needles aren't good, and making decisions uh, about what products to carry based on that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad we got you people like you out there on the front line uh, checking this stuff out for us. I'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on another aspect of needles here. There's there's often some discussion that I've heard among my colleagues about coded versus non-coded needles. Can you tell us a bit about this? Yeah, and that's an area where there's, there's a lot of confusion about this subject. Ultimately, the coated needle helps the needle be inserted a little bit more easily. The downfall is the FDA doesn't require any verbiage on the packaging to suggest whether it is coated or not. And, then, and on top of that, I think there's a, also a tremendous amount of confusion where we, Las Omas, did a survey recently asking people about the needles that they use and what's important. And what was really surprising is a lot of the people were adamant that I don't like silicone coating or any type of coating on my needle for that matter. Yet uh, the needle that they said that they used did have silicone coating or I don't, you know, or vice versa. And and we thought that was really surprising that there's so much uh, confusion about it. And on top of that, there's many different types of coating. There's perylene coating, there's Teflon coating, there's different types of silicon oils, and and then there's the more silicon, like sarin, for example, uses a particular type of silicon that only goes on the first few millimeters of the tip. And they can get away with this because the needle body is so polished that they don't need uh, extra silicon to kind of mask any problems with the needles, any uh, roughness and such. But the silicon that sarin uses, for instance, is cured at temperature. And when the silicon is cured, it's actually a hard substance. It's not an oil that doesn't come off of the needle. It needs an industrial solvent to be able to remove it. So there, there is a lot of confusion and there is a lot of technology behind this. And, and I, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know a, a tremendous amount about it, except that the silicon that sarin uses is a very special silicon that's used in a lot of hypodermic needles. But uh, I do know that 
people and there's a preference. Some people love silicon, some people don't want silicon, and there's and there's confusion out there. So that's something we'll have to to work on in the coming years to uh, try to rectify. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like the FDA does not require this information to be on the package, and so it can be very difficult for the end user, acupuncturist in this case, to actually know what we have. Well, I'll tell you, even more surprising, there was a company, again, I'm not going to name names, but there's a company that has needles in the United States that we approached and we're testing. As I mentioned, we do these tests annually on our needles and then periodically with other brands of needles. And we were able to find that there was a coating on the needle. And we asked the company, what kind of coating do you have? And they said, our our needles aren't coated. So we sent it off to a lab where they did a test and they were able to show that there was... Um, I don't remember all the chemicals, but silicon of some sort on the needle. And it was shocking to us to hear that. So maybe the importer of the needle didn't realize and the manufacturer wasn't telling them. But again, it just compounds that problem even more. It is something that we need to to work work on more. That being said, silicon oils and, and the silicon I talked about that Saren uses have been prevalent in hypodermic needles since the beginning of time. And the average amount of silicon on a hypodermic needle is somewhere along the lines of 10,000 times more silicon than on an acupuncture needle, just by virtue of the diameter being larger, the length being large of these needles. And people who have insulin issues, uh, taking insulin, uh, diabetics, I mean, they, they're, they're pop putting those needles in their body over and over and over again. And there's no, you don't hear about problems with them. And if so in, in my a personal opinion, which may not matter much, I, I think it's, it's fairly safe and it's an accepted thing in the medical industry. But that being said, it's something that uh, companies probably should be more transparent about. Yeah. I did not realize that hypodermic needles for a long time, as you say, have used silicon coatings that that was not even in my awareness and that this is a very standard medical practice to coat needles. Right. And a lot of the needle manufacturers actually produce their own silicone as well. So it's the, I think that's been that way for many, many, many years. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five-element and six-chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI. 2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Mm-hmm. 
You mentioned that you, you're constantly looking at products, you're reviewing products, you're constantly testing for quality. What kind of quality tests do you do? I mean, you sound a little bit like an herb importer in that, oh, we, we have this product come in, let's, let's see what we actually have. Well, there's a lot that goes into manufacturing a needle, and there's a lot behind the scenes that one may not even realize. So when we do tests on needles, we test obvious things like tensile strength. We test things like the angle of the needle tip. Not only do we test the needle tip, but we may the angle that the needle tip makes, but we also measure the consistency. So if you see a needle tip that one needle is very pointed and the next needle is not so pointed, red flags come up right away. Hey, these are handmade. Similarly, you measure the length of the needle. Is the needle length always 30 millimeters, let's say, for the particular lot you're looking at? Or is it sometimes 35 and sometimes 22 or 25? And, and that'll tell you a lot about their quality control and whether it's a, it's using an automated manufacturing process or is it done by hand. But then there's also items that are quite a bit more less obvious, like needle cleanliness. Now, there's a lot of needles out in the world market that are just not clean. I think I mentioned earlier with the sarin manufacturing process, they go through all of these different baths to be able to clean the needles from alkaline to acid and trying to get rid of all the residual byproduct of the manufacturing grinding process. So cleanliness is a big deal. And it doesn't matter how, if you sterilize the product, if it still has dirt on it, the residual manufacturing stuff, uh, that's not good. So you've probably seen when you've inserted, say, an inexpensive needle into someone's body and you may remove it and see a little dark spot. And that's, that's residual elements from manufacturing. So needle cleanliness is one. Does the needle detach from the handle? So you put a needle into a very thick muscle and you pull it out. Will the needle detach from the from the needle handle and that so that's a big thing that we'll test also if it's again if it's an automated manufacturing process you can reproduce the process you did to assemble the needle if it's made by hand you can't and then there's uh, going to be discrepancies in those and then another one that's that is not obvious at all is even the blister packaging it has nothing to do with the, the needle itself at all but the Blister package, believe it or not, and, and people can test this at home when they open their favorite needle and you peel back the blister pack. Can you find holes in the glue that's holding that blister pack together? And if you can find a hole where you say, oh, there's a little bit of area that's that's missing with the glue, that's uh, opportunity for air or other things to get into the blister pack that could compromise the sterility of the needle in the long run. So at any rate, there's many different things like that we look at, but then we do penetration testing tests uh, that allows us to understand like how rough the needle is, whether it has silicone coating or other types of coatings, et cetera. So it's a fairly extensive test we do. Some of the things are more important than others, but it gives us a kind of a high level. We, we also test for bacteria and we test for mold. So it's uh, quite a lengthy process. Uh, more recently, you know, we've been more interested in softer needles and stiffer needles. So we're testing for those things as well, just to kind of get a, uh, a breakdown of, of where our needles fit and uh, whether anything has changed, as well as, you know, what, what needles out in the, the U.S. market or world market are, are like as well. 
Mm-hmm. You mentioned softer or harder needles. That's not something that I I think about when I think about using an acupuncture needle. What are the issues or benefits of a harder or softer needle? Well, it's really a matter of personal preference, but uh, as time is going on um, for facial acupuncture, for instance, a softer needle in general is more comfortable unless it gets to an extreme point where it's too soft and it's too difficult to insert and you can't control the direction of the tip. But even then, there's applications like in, in Japan where students who are learning acupuncture will use very special soft tip needles to be able to practice their insertions and make sure that they can control that tip better. On the flip side, stiffer needles are, um, are generally for longer needles that are being entered into the body. So veterinarians, for instance, need long, stiff needles, not veterinarians for the small uh, animals, but I'm, I'm thinking more of the horses or sports acupuncture where they're inserting needles in the deep tissues. Uh, they may benefit from longer, thicker needles. Well, if you want to make it more painless, then you want to decrease the gauge. But as you decrease the gauge, the needle becomes flimsier. So what techniques can you use from a manufacturing perspective to make those needle stiffer. So there's all sorts of things from using different types of metal to different manufacturing processes they can use to try to make it stiffer. I see. Well, you know, that brings us to one of the big things I wanted to speak with you about today, which is here at the Sports Acupuncture Alliance's uh, conference that we're at, there's a new needle being introduced and it's, and it's been sort of designed here in the West. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So when you say design here in the West, let me just preface that, that we have a large network of researchers and, and educators that we work with, and they're constantly providing us feedback on how we can improve the existing products we have and how we can develop new products that would help them in their, in their research or their education or their practices. So the new needle that we are developing is sports acupuncture needle. It's going to be uh, slightly stiffer, like we talked about. So it can you can have thinner needles that are going to be less evasive, less painful, yet provide the same amount of stiffness. And we also, I mean, we have two needles that we're going to be launching then. Uh, one that we've already kind of pre-launched uh, maybe six months ago called the Seren G-Type. And the Seren G-Type also has an added benefit that it has a slightly, like a, if you look at it next to another needle, it looks identical. But when you start zooming into a couple hundred times magnification, you'll notice that the needle tip is actually rounded. So there's a lot of interesting developments going on right now in the in the field of kind of sports acupuncture and stiffer needles and rounded tips. That's really exciting. But yes, we're going to be launching a needle called the Promax from Dongbong as well. Great. You mentioned a rounder tip to the needle. What's the what's the thought behind the benefit of that? Yeah, interesting. So Saren has a research let's just say a state-of-the-art research and development department, and they have one job, and that's improving their needles. Let's say two jobs, inventing new needles and improving them. And going back in history, and this is why when I talk about Saren and why I'm specifically talking about their research and development program is you can remember back in the earlier part of our conversation that Saren revolutionized industry by creating the first single-use disposable needle. But 
along the way, like every couple of years, they're, they're constantly reinventing themselves and, and improving their, uh, their products. And just of kind of notable things that they've done, they produce the first single-use disposable needle. They produce the thinnest needle. So the 0.10 millimeter uh, Saren J15 is the thinnest needle in the world. So even that in and of itself is a marvel. And being able to create that, to make that thin needle be stiff. So that's kind of the first inkling of when we started talking about stiffer needles. They have the shortest needle, 0.3 millimeters. And then behind the scenes, every year they have processes to tighten their tolerances and make their needles better. Like I mentioned, the, the, the needle tip angle, the uh, lengths of the needles, you know, bringing those tolerances down to, to make it better and better. But you need that state-of-the-art manufacturing, research and development department to be able to do these things. So it's, it's really fun to work with these guys to do this. To answer your question about the needle tip and the, the roundness, this is all coming from Saren. And to talk about it conceptually is if you have a needle that's incredibly sharp, that needle will penetrate and cut through all the tissue that you're inserting the needle into. But if that needle is more rounded, it just doesn't cut through everything in its way. It, there's a higher probability that it'll help push the skin molecules aside, help push that small little vein that it, that it touches. And so in conceptually, it kind of makes sense. But in practice, uh, they were testing on for facial acupuncture and realizing that that needle actually produces less bruising. So this is stuff that's you know will be coming down the pike uh, in, in years to come. So we ended up deciding to launch it first with the G-type needle, and it's, it's there to be less painful and minimize bruising. And it's, a, it's just an amazing technology that, that allows them to do that. Yeah. When I think about a rounded tip, I mean, it makes me think about hydrodynamics, and when you think about boats, especially big ships, they don't have a sharp edge to their bow. They often have these these rounded, bulbous bows because it it goes through the water in a more smooth way. Interesting. And uh, it sounds yeah, and it sounds like with the acupuncture needles, this is a similar thing. You can either sort of slide between things with a rounded tip, or cut through things with a sharper tip. And I would say. I'm thinking for myself as a practitioner, having the ability to go sort of around rather than through or to be able to, you know, sort of sneak something into a place without being invasive about it makes a big difference. Matt, is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners before we uh, get back to the conference here? I think we covered a lot, Michael. I I guess... One thing I'd like to say is that we're all in one of the most exciting eras of medicine, and I'm really just thankful for having you um, invite me here to, to tell my story a little bit more. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.